Hi everyone, you're listening to Tailgating with Kevin and Oren. Alright, welcome back to another edition of Tailgating with uh, Kevin and Oren. I say that because uh, Dave Overhelman is on assignment right now, so once again I am joined by uh, Oren Schwarz. Uh, I am Kevin Schmidt, and I'm again with Oren Schwarz here. We are prep sports writers with the Daily Herald's DuPage County Sports Department, and we are coming to you in early June, where uh, a lot has happened in the last few days, and uh, all of a sudden return to play is kind of the catchphrase that everyone is wondering about. And uh, to help us sort through some of this, we are pleased to be joined by Glenbard South Athletic Director Tim Carlson, who uh, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, late afternoon. Uh, Tim just got off a uh, conference call um, with the IHSA and his uh, fellow ADs. So uh, hopefully Tim can help us uh, sort through some of these questions that a lot of people have. Um, And I know how busy you are, Tim, so thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. I'm, I'm glad to be with you guys, and uh, hopefully I can uh, can shed some light on everything that's going on in our world today. Yeah, I Thanks, guess. Tim. Yeah, um, I guess to start off with, uh, Friday afternoon, we got the uh, the word from the IHSA guidelines uh, for returning to play in, I guess, what they're calling stage one of this whole process, and. Uh, I think it sounds to me like the big hurdle that needed to be cleared was schools to be open. And when Governor Pritzker had that executive order, I think on I think that was on Thursday, to allow summer school, limited summer school to be in person, it seemed like that was the final stumbling block to uh, get to the stage one of uh, restarting prep sports. Is, is that the way you kind of understand it, Tim? Yeah, I mean, as as we were, you know, uh, waiting for that information, I know there you know, the ongoing conversations with the Illinois Department of Public Health, you know, that were going on. I know when you talk about summer school, I know even in our own district, we're we're doing it virtually. As I know a lot of districts are probably doing that. But as you said, the governor on Thursday had provided some guidance that allowed schools to do some in-person instruction with obviously the social distancing guidelines um, in place and the and a limit on the number of people that could be could be in the school but yeah i mean a lot of it was just waiting for that final approval from the from the state department of public health and you know for before the ihsa could you know kind of you know we had kind of had some inclination of what the plan was going to look like already but just waiting for that that final approval um to get out there on friday yeah and it was it was kind of late in the day on friday so i mean what was your weekend like i mean were you trying to kind of get in touch with coaches and see what was what you were looking to I mean what what have the last couple of days been like for you here? yeah so for us I mean obviously it was interesting it came out it was as you said late Friday the plan was able to start on Saturday uh, I can tell you we were in no position to turn around on Saturday and have anybody ready to go um, initially for us the first thing that came out of that was we set up a meeting for us in district 87 to meet this morning which we did uh, to kind of start having uh, some conversations because obviously in a multi-high school district it's not just Glenbard South it's east west and north and we've got a, some consistency in our plans um, you know since we all are under the same district umbrella 
so we had a meet today to kind of start talking through some of those logistical pieces um, and what that's going to look like. I'm going to meet with my coaches tomorrow on a Google Hangout to really start breaking this down for what it looks like. And again, some of those challenges that are there and some of those logistical hurdles that we're going to have to get over in order for this to, you know, to be worthwhile in order to make sure it fits and works for everybody um, in our school community. And how, how will that district approval happen? Because from what I understand, uh, Glumbard 87 said that they didn't want anything going on until July 1st. At yeah, so we had, init- we had initially uh, had put our camps, um, we had canceled all of our camps, obviously in, in you know, coordination with the IHSA, initially suspending summer contact days. We went ahead and, and canceled all of our youth camps um, and had told our coaches initially, hey, we are, we're going to not do anything till the end of June. Now, uh, I'll be very honest with you. We, if you ask me, Tim, what date are you prepared to start on? We don't have that date yet. Um, so we're not, we're not at a point where as a district – we're ready to even roll anything out to our coaches right now. So again, we're continuously meeting as ADs with our central office so that we can start to, again, develop those parameters, number one, but also talk through those, like I said, those logistical pieces that aren't as cut and dry as I think some people would like them to be, you know, as, as school districts have to face them as opposed to a club sport or a youth sport right now. So our, our conversations are ongoing. I think there's probably some districts that maybe are ready to move ahead this week, but we as a district are, are still working through some things. Um, so like I said, for, for me to say, yeah, District 87 is going to be ready to go on this day, we're not there yet. Are you still at a point, though, where you're technically not allowed to do anything until July 1st? Is that kind of the first thing you need to get past or no? Um, I think we're, uh, the conversations we're having now are what will it look like if we do jump in before that time? I mean, I don't, I don't think the district is, has come out and said, no, we're, we're definitely shut down until that date. I think we're going to be as diligent as we can in, in, in trying to make sure that this plan works for everybody and it, and it keeps our kids and our coaches as safe as possible. So, yeah, I, I could envision a scenario where we could start before then. Um, as long as all of our parameters are met as a district. But I think, you know, like my coaches right now at South, you know, they're, they're working under that, that scenario where, hey, Tim has already said we're not doing anything till the end of June. So I'm not necessarily having anybody beat down my door. But if I came to them and said, yeah, we're going to be able to start a week early or whatever, you know, there might be some coaches that will be interested in getting started. Yeah, at the very least, maybe just to acclimate a little bit. Yeah, and that's a bit you know, and that's a big thing people have to remember. You know, this acclimatization. How long have kids been off for now? I mean, since you know our last day of school was March 13th. I know that coaches have been sending workouts virtually to kids and things like that. So obviously that's that's been happening. You hope that kids have been keeping up with it. But you know, now the temperature today it's 90 degrees outside. Beautiful. Um, but you're going to start getting kids to uh, to start coming outside and doing workouts and things like that. It's going to take some time to ease them back into that level of conditioning um, that they were accustomed to prior to, you know, the pandemic starting. And I'll be very honest, you know, the, the guidelines for the IHSA state that outdoor is encouraged, but you are allowed indoors. District 87, our discussions right now are solely centered on outdoor. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't know gonna, anyone. You're not going to let anybody in the building. Yeah, I don't think anyone is going to do that, but... Uh... 
I just if it's anything like me, it's been a lot of Netflix and Twinkies. So <laughs> I think the uh, acclimating is is going to be kind of a shock to the system for a lot of kids. Yeah, and, that, and that's a big you know and that's a big piece of it because again with the temperatures as they are, you got to start slow to give these kids a chance to build up their endurance. Um, their stamina and, and, you know, and remember too, even as your outdoor facilities are open, you know, there's going to be no access to bathroom. There's going to be no access yeah, right. to, to, to water. So they've got to bring their own, you know, so you have to be conscious of those things as, as they're, as they're participating, you know, student A brings a 12 ounce water bottle. Well, within 20 minutes he's, he's drank it all because his body's not accustomed to, right. to the activity. Well, what do you do now? You, if he doesn't have any more and as a school, if you're not providing it, in terms of uh, plastic bottles or whatever it might be, well, what do you do with that student now? Because he's he or she now is out of water. We want, we don't want to run that risk of you know getting that student dehydrated or you know and we'll have trainers you know whenever that day comes there'll be trainers on on site. But yeah, I mean there's a lot of like I said some of those hurdles that we've really got to work through to get kids to a point where they can they can do it successfully without the the potential for you know any long term damage. Yeah. Orrin, you want to jump in here? Yeah. Am I right that your facilities are still closed so kids can't even go on the tennis court to the football field or whatever and use them uh, themselves? We actually, in District 87, just opened them at, towards the end of last week. Um, so the tennis courts are open. Um, the tracks should be open. I know at South we've always kind of had them locked, but technically yeah, facilities have become open from that standpoint that the public can begin to use them as phase three and the reopening has allowed for you know tennis to be played and things like that um so you, you had this uh, virtual meeting with the uh um, ihsa and a bunch of ad's uh did did anything come from that or was it basically just kind of reiterating what was announced on friday yeah i think i think the biggest piece in all of it and I, and I think anybody who was on there would agree that, you know, the IHSA is, is telling us that these are guidelines that at the end of the day, it's up to local school district control. Um, so, again, that might look different in one school district versus another. So while the IHSA has these parameters in place, you know, how, it, how it's implemented and how it's going to look from one school district to another can be I don't want to say totally different, but it could be, you know, a lot different in how they, they execute it just because, again, at the end of the day, it's strictly going to come down to the school districts making those decisions for their own their own school district. So it wasn't like, you know, this is do this, do that. It was at the end of the day, you and your school district have to do what's best for your kids. Yeah, and I guess the one question I have is, you know, well, I've got a lot of questions, but um, one I have is... Uh, is is it do are you hearing any coaches say that it might not be worth coming back just for this conditioning because um, from what i understand they're not allowed to do any sports specific drills or anything and, correct no sports specific drills yep and that's something the ihsa isn't flexible on right that's not something that's up to the school districts yeah i would imagine that's going to be something that would might be in stage two plan as we you know if we move into that but for right now yeah it's not non-sport specific uh the only equipment you can use would be like uh, you know if you're going to do speed ladders or cones anything that's going to help with that conditioning as it relates to the first part of your question when you talked about our, our, our coach is going to find value in this you know i've had some some 
conversation with some of my coaches in my building, you know, and if you're a winter coach and I've had a conversation with one of my winter coaches and the comment there was, well, if it's not skill-based and a lot of my kids play a fall sport because the plan does say kids should be encouraged to do this with their fall sport. Right. And again, that helps with some of the cross contaminating of groups too. Right. But this particular coach in my building said, if, if I'm not working on skill specific stuff, most of my kids can get the conditioning from their fall sport because a lot of our kids are crossover athletes um, in a school our size. So, yeah, there are some coaches that are questioning the value of, of the conditioning, especially, like I said, if they're not a fall sport and they're not the next sport coming up in the, in the season. Um, and I've had some of my fall coaches who, you know, like, for instance, golf. My golf coach is going to run a virtual golf camp. Well, he's not, he wouldn't have conditioned with the kids anyway, so he's going to continue with his virtual golf camp. You know, kids are going to, when they're out on the course, they're going to, you know, send video to him through an app. He's going to break down their swings, analyze it. You know, they're going to have meetings about course management, those types of things. So based on who you talk to, I mean, if you talk to my football coach, yeah, I think he would love to have the opportunity to start working with his kids, at least from a conditioning standpoint. Yeah. But you're, but you're right. Fall off us, a winter and spring coach might not see the same value and benefit in this. And that's why even in talking with my district counterparts, that's what I've, you know, I've even said, is this, is this more or less something for our fall kids? But I also see the, the, the kind of the other side of it where, well, the spring coaches haven't seen their kids because, you know, when the season ended, they may want to do something. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's, and that's that other piece to it too. It's that being able to be, have visibility with your kids. You know, some kids, they need that, whether it's contact with their friends contact with that trusted adult who in this case is a coach you know they might have missed in the time we've been out of school i mean there's a lot of value in those types of you know relationship building that goes on as well yeah because i guess i'm wondering if if foot like football coaches a lot of them have already started their virtual camps sure where where they're work they're working on drills but they're doing it virtually um so if if they're seeing more value in being able to do football work, even though it's virtual, maybe they they would prefer to keep doing that than getting together and just doing like general conditioning where they can't really work on football stuff. Yeah, I think you know, to your point, yeah, like uh, like my coach Ryan Christie, we we have been having virtual meetings with our players. You know, you're you're doing your installs and you're having those you know positional meetings and things like that. Um, you know, so there is that that benefit there. But I think to, and if you if you were to talk to him, I think he would tell you the benefit of being able to to start working the kids out in person, so you could see where their conditioning level is at. Again, to build that camaraderie um, with with the athletes. Again, there's going to be they're going to be small groups. I mean, it's you know in our district we're talking about you're limiting that group to eight kids. You know, your coach makes nine, and then if the trainer's there, that's your ten. Um, so, it, it, yes, it's small groups, but at least you're starting to have that, that face-to-face connection so that when, if we do move to, say, phase two, and that includes, you know, camp settings where you can start being on the field and working on sports-specific stuff, you know, maybe you've, you don't have to condition as much because you've had a little bit of a head start. But, again, for us, not knowing when we're going to start and not knowing when we move into the next phase – you know, we're not sure what that timeline will look like. Do you know? Do you know the reasoning for not allowing sports-specific drills? Because if you're if you're in this group, like let's say that you have nine offensive linemen and the offensive line coach as one of your pods, 
and you're distancing six feet apart, you don't have a ball or anything. I don't. Is there a reason why they don't want those kids to be doing sports-specific drills that could be considered conditioning? Well, I mean, they, uh, you know, and, and again, I didn't hear that specifically on the on the call today, and I know that. They're, the IEDA is compiling questions from ADs around the state to present to the IHSA, especially because we only had so much time with Craig today. It, you know, it wasn't like he was on there the whole time. There was other um, IEDA business that was on there as well. So I think they're trying to compile some questions and that they don't have answers to that the IHSA can answer for us. I do think, again, some of that is that acclimatization, getting kids just back into to movement and exercising with their with their team and with their coaches. And the other part of it, too, is especially sports where, you know, it's it's some of it is your cleaning protocols. You're touching stuff. You know, if you got if you're using the hand shield in football, you know, a bunch of kids are touching it, uh, how often you're cleaning it and things like that. Um, not to say that that wouldn't be there in, in the next phase, but the next phase means we're a little bit, I don't want to say safer, but at the same time, you know, maybe the infection rate has come down. You know, the prevalence of, of COVID may not be as high as it was weeks ago. And so you maybe it's it helps with the cleaning protocols as well. Yeah, it's just the, the idea of having to wait until late June or early July, you know, it, it seems like that's... That's a lot of just pure conditioning. If if you get if, if schools start get going like a, you know on the fifteenth or something of June. Yeah, and I would imagine too, like even like even in our conversations today, like we're not going to let any group go every day. I mean, it might be one or two, you know, maybe two days a week, and one of those. And you oh, have okay. to have a, And you've got to have a day off in between so we can institute cleaning protocols and things like that. Um, so I don't envision a scenario in my school or in our district where we're having kids there four or five days a week. Okay. Okay. Um, I'd be, and I'd, I'd be shocked if other districts are allowing that too, but just within our district and our, in our school itself. Yeah. We're not going to be having kids coming in that often. Yeah. Well, um, logistically it might be an issue because if you've got hundreds of kids, you can't have them all there every day. That just wouldn't be realistic. Right. Or, you want to jump in? Yeah, are you in touch with the conference at all about this, the update? Is this a conference matter at all? Yeah, I mean, we, we meet uh, throughout the pandemic. We meet weekly um, with with our conference. So, you know, obviously, you know, Dwayne and I, Glenbard East, are, are, we're going to be on a similar page. Um, you know, the, obviously the biggest chunk of our league is U46. Um, so we have another conference called this Thursday, so I think we'll be able to digest some of this a little bit more. Um, again, we, we text back and forth, we're emailing back and forth with each other, kind of get, you know, some, some sense of where other districts are looking at. Like I know West Chicago is under a lot of construction right now. So is that something they're going to be able to do feasibly because of all, you know, with entrances and exits and things like that. So yeah, it is, it is a conference issue. Cause I think you, you can't necessarily say we're all going to do everything the same, you know, obviously our we're going to look at it from a district standpoint as to how we can be consistent. But it, I think it's important to have those conversations amongst your conference. So you kind of get a sense of where everybody's at. And then it helps to be able to go back to your district or, you know, even to your building and say, well, here's what this school and our conference is doing. Maybe we can generate ideas from them and our implementation and things like that. So yeah, those conversations are real important and uh, they're ongoing. So hopefully we'll continue to, you know, touch base weekly with one another just to keep that dialogue going. I guess, uh, I imagine you've got a, a list a mile long of, you know, your to-do list um, for things to get ready for this. What 
What do you see as being the biggest hurdles to clear between now and when you hope to have uh, students showing up for these, these conditioning segments? Yeah, and, and that's a and that's a real good question. Obviously, for, for us, it's, you know, it's not as easy as just saying, all right, football, we're meeting today, and, you know, 100 kids show up. So it's you've got to be able to devise – a, who's coming and how we break them down into groups. Um, you know, like for us, like with incoming freshmen, we were the only school in the district because as a result of the pandemic, we didn't have our eighth grade activity night. So we weren't able to capture like all the freshmen that are interested in what sport. So that's been a challenge for us at Glenbard South. Um, getting ready for the summer is not having that list of kids that are, you know, interested in football, interested in volleyball, interested in cross country that we could have easily just reached out to off that phone list. Um, so that'll be that first challenge will be just the grouping aspect of everything, um, you know, to get the number of kids there um, and, and in that static group with that static coach and things like that. Some of the other hurdles you look at, you know, I know the IHSA in their call today talked to me you know, talk about temperature checking. Our kids are going to be doing it at home, or are we going to do it at the school? I know from a district standpoint, that's probably something we're going to want to check on campus. We're not going to rely on a student to come to us and say, yeah, I, I took it before I came, and I had a 98.4 or whatever it was. So do we have enough supplies? You know, that's that's a that's a concern, too. Yeah, I imagine there's been a run on thermometers. Yeah, I mean, you walk into any pharmacy now, tell me where you find a thermometer since we've been in that pandemic um so i was on the phone with my trainers today you know i'll be very honest in our athletic training we have one contactless thermometer so again my school's half the size of the other ones in the district but that'll present a challenge for me in terms of taking temperatures of whatever kids are on campus on those specific days and the coaches are also have to be responsible they have to do that assessment with the kids every kid has to be you have to do a symptom check when they get there you know are you, have you had this? Do you feel this? Do you feel this? So that's going to take some time when they get on campus. So those logistical pieces of timing, you know, you talked about where you enter, where you exit, do you stagger the group times, you know, and then working out with, you know, like in our buildings, we have, the, like I'm the assistant principal for athletics, but we have the assistant principal for operations. That person's in charge of the physical plant, the building. So we've got to work, sit down with that person and devise what those cleaning protocols look like. How often are we going to disinfect? What's what areas are we going to touch upon? So on and so forth. So those pieces, I think, are the ones that jump out um, initially. You know, I'll be very honest too. It, it, it's all voluntary, but in District 87, with the exception of Glenbard South, kids could get transportation to summer camps. Well, under this scenario, I don't imagine we're going to be offering transportation to those kids like we've done in the past. Right. So there's that hurdle for kids. And again, South was the only one that didn't offer it, uh, just because our kids are kind of clustered. And as Oren knows, we're, we're, our radius is a little smaller than the uh, than the other three buildings. But that presents a challenge for kids getting them there. Um, and again, you know, it's voluntary, obviously. But if you can get kids there, you want them there. But you have to look at that, you know, the access to these programs for all of our kids. You know, making sure they, you know, they have accessibility to get there if they can so we we can provide for as many of our students as we possibly can yeah and especially at a time when you know this is the only time you are kind of discouraging carpooling i would imagine yeah unless they're in the same pot or whatever yeah and you know kids are riding their bikes and things like that but you know i'm sure you guys have seen it out in your own communities how often you see a lot of kids are congregating with one another so i mean you do have those 
those challenges already before they even get to campus. You know, they've already been kind of not social distancing. Um, so then, you know, that presents that inherent challenge. And when they get there, well, they're like, well, I've been hanging out with my friends all this time. We got to stay six feet apart. We got to, you know, I've just, we're, I'm, my son, his travel baseball team, we're, you know, they've already, they've started practicing. You have that challenge of kids that, yeah. hey, keep your space, keep your distance, you know, and, and some of them look at you like, we've been hanging out for weeks with these kids, but those are the rules. Well, and that's, I think that's the biggest disconnect right now is you've got baseball tournaments going on in Wisconsin right now. Um, they're going to be going on in Indiana soon. I mean, every day I see kids tweeting out uh, workouts, whether it be with quarterback coaches or whatever, and they're with a bunch of kids throwing a football around. I mean, all, all, this, all the activity is going on right now. It's just when you get into the realm of the IHSA, it just changes drastically. Yeah, and I, you know, and I think, you know, part of it too, I, you know, initially when all this was, you know, because as you, as you guys saw on Twitter and on social media over the last couple of weeks, as we kept hearing that this meeting was being canceled and, and so on and so forth, um, you know, and you get people, you know, disgruntled on social media, you know, oh, when's the IHSA going to come? But I, I thought I, I felt like there was a misconception as to what they thought was going to be released. I think some people were expecting like this manifesto on what the fall sports were going to look like. Um, oh right. You know, I think some. I, I think there was that misconception about what was actually the point of this IHSA meeting that we were all waiting for and what these guidelines were going to be. So I think when this all came out, it was just these return to play guidelines. You know, I think people were a little like, oh, what you know, what was the point of this? We were expecting them to tell us what the fall was going to look like. Yeah. And to your point, we, we don't know what the next couple of weeks are going to look like or, you know, the next month. You know, we hope to keep progressing through the next phase so that we can keep moving forward positively. But at the same time, you know, the IHSA is trying to be, you know, they're trying to be cautious. And, and, I, and I get that. Uh, but the, the other part of it, too, is as you, you talked about these tournaments, well, a lot of these tournaments, and, and again, I want kids participating, but a lot of these tournaments are run by businesses. Well, they're as much as they want kids bag out there, they also want to run their, you well, know, their activities because it, it generates money for them. Well, and, and let's be you honest, know, as, a, as a public school. No, I was just going to say, let, let's be honest about there. I think they see an sure. opportunity. I think they see an opportunity here to oh, make money. Oh, there's a market for sure. Yes, yeah, with, with the high school shutdown. Yeah, but as a but as a public high school, I mean, obviously, we have a lot of. And not that those people haven't vetted anything or gone through hurdles, but you know we've got to make sure that we're 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 making that every possible scenario is looked at so that our kids are 100 percent or as best we can safe when we bring them in. Um, you know we want you know because at the end of the day we're an educational based business and our kids are our priority, so we we want to make sure we've got everything vetted out so that we're putting our kids in the best situation, whether that's in the classroom or whether that's in their extracurricular activities. You know, we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to let them, to keep it safe for them and, and you know, let them and have a sense of comfort about it. Cause to be honest, there's going to be some parents that are still going to be, you know what, we're not ready for that. Right, right, right. No, I, so I agree. We, we've got to be, we've got to be empathetic to that too, because they're as much as we see out there that everybody's you know raring to go, there is that group of the population that's you know a little apprehensive still, and we've got to be sensitive to that in those families as well, um, by not putting pressure on kids to make sure they're there, right. you know, to let families work through this 
on their own time and in their own uh, comfortability so that they're whenever they're ready we're ready to have them right Orin, you want to jump in yeah it, it sounds like you're ready to accept something of a competitive disadvantage to these private clubs in order to ensure the, the safety of the kids is, is that accurate well i mean obviously outside of the the school setting i mean we want our kids involved. That's how they get, that's how they improve when they're outside of there. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, to the, to the point it's, you know, a lot of these, when these guidelines have come out, you know, these, these tournaments and stuff, they had those mechanisms in place already to get started. Should they, you know, should these guidelines be lifted, you know, we're as a school, this is the you know first time we're, we're dealing with something like this. So obviously it's new from that standpoint. So we're trying to make sure we've got all of our bases covered. Um, and again, because it right now it's not skill-based. I mean, if we're not, if we're a couple weeks behind in conditioning, I, mean, I think we can make that up when that opportunity gets there. Um, you know, whether that's in the next phase or when the season starts in August, but you know, I, I certainly don't want to deter kids from being involved right now. Like I said, my own kids are, are playing and I'm, you know, I'm out there helping and watching. So I think it's important for kids to be out there. And if there is those outlets for them, I think it's, I think it's good. But again, as a school, we're, we, again, first time dealing, we really want to make sure that we're, we're being as, as, as cautious and as ready as we can be so that when they are ready to go full steam, you know, people are a hundred percent confident in what we're doing. Um, I, I still have a bunch of questions here. We're running short on time, but I, I want to try to get through some of these. Um, in the National Federation guidelines, I see a lot of references to uh, the allowance of modified practices. Do you know what that means exactly? Yeah, I have not. I have not heard how they're how they're categorizing that. Um, you know, in terms of what those modifications would be, you know, obviously a lot of what the IHSA has done is it has some basis off of the National Federation guidelines, since obviously that's the governing body for all the state associations. Um, but yeah, in terms of what that hard definition is, I don't have that. And, and maybe in, as we move into the next phase or the next stage, we might get some more clarity on that. Um, so hopefully that'll get you know cleared up for us as we move forward. Okay, and, and then um, the IHSA guidelines and the National Federation guidelines say that uh, you know you do these uh, pre pre screenings and you do the temperature check and all that. So let's say a, a kid in a certain group of ten uh, has a temperature of one hundred and one and gets sent home and sees his doctor. And it turns out that he's tested positive for COVID-19. Is there anything definitive about what's supposed to happen at that point? Does, is, it the, is it the entire pod of 10 people that has to quarantine at that point? Does the whole school have to shut down from this conditioning? I mean, is, has there been any kind of guidance or is it up to you guys to kind of decide? Yeah, I think that's probably going to be decided at, like, like a lot of what the guidance has been at that local level. Um, I know as a district, you know, we, we, we're starting to broach what that might look like, whether that's a, a shutdown of the group, um, you know, does it have to be a prevalence of it in the group to shut it down or is one instance going to be enough to, to shut it down? I mean, certainly like anything else, if somebody tests positive, you know, the recommendation of their doctors is going to be that they self-quarantine, 
um, and things like that. So certainly we're going to rely on, on the medical professionals to guide those families should somebody test positive. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be a local issue like a lot of these are. Um, and I'm sure once we as a district have decided what that's going to look like, that'll probably be included in whatever plan we send out to our coaches. Okay. And everything's referred to as a gathering, you know, a gathering of 10 or fewer at this point, it's going to expand to 50 or fewer. Have, has there been any kind of guidance in terms of what defines a gathering? Because like, you can't tell me that, uh, a school classroom, you know, that's considered a gathering. But then a high school football stadium, that I can't imagine that should be considered a gathering on the same level as a school classroom. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, most classrooms, you know, 22 to 25 students, you know, on a Friday night is, you know, on a, on a football stadium, you're going to have thousands of people there. So obviously gathering takes on different meanings based on, uh, based on the environment in which you're in. Which you're in. Um, so... Yeah, in terms of, of that type of guidance as to what, you know, what it might look like to have um, the, a, a large gathering or whatever the term we would use for a, a Friday night football game, um, you know, because stage five of the reopening means we're, we've, we've found a vaccine, right, you know, and what did that initially say? Didn't that say 250 or more? Yeah, um, right. So even that's not going to quantify a football stadium on a Friday night. So um you may see some situations where there's going to be modifications to what a, a uh, an attendance at, a, at an event might look like because of these you know these guidelines so i think again that may not necessarily be local in that sense but you know hopefully the state and the ISB and you know i just say will give some guidance as to how we move forward with with fan participation and attendance once we move into those phases that allow competitions yeah because i mean you could you could say like a gymnasium that's a gathering um yeah but do you like a cross-country course is that considered a gathering this you know i i don't know i mean it seems like that's that's kind of an important issue if we're going to get to any kind of fall sports here kind of defining what a gathering is going to mean yeah, and certainly in, in the fall, I mean, in each sport kind of has a unique, you know, social distancing in golf means something different than it does in cross country. Um, you know, and right now, I mean, golf is allowed in foursomes on a golf course. So is golf going to be ready to go on the first day? I mean, those are all those are all things the IHSA will have to figure out. And then again, school districts will have to figure out if, you know, if they're in school at that time or if they're not in school, what, if any, participation will take place. Um, as a result of some of these uh, these guidelines, do you see a pathway to football in the fall at this point? Um, you know, I think I, I, obviously that's a, that's a hard one because you know obviously the level of contact that goes on in a sport. And I'm a football parent. My son's going to be a freshman at Glenmore North. He's a football player, so as a parent, you know, certainly I want to see you know the opportunity for him to be able. Um, to play and participate in a sport that he enjoys. Um, you know, and I hear this question from him all the time, Dad, do you think we're going to have a season? Dad, do you think we're going to have a season? Um, you know, obviously, the, 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 the more we move into these, these next coming phases, if we do it in a, in a way that's, you know, consistent with the state's reopening plan, and, you know, it, it does provide a, a level of hope for, for everybody. 
Um, and I, you know, and you have to think about it too. And, you know, and I go back to, uh, and this is a principal I worked with earlier in my career, Clembart South, you know, football isn't just the football players. Think about a sport like football, what it does in terms of, you know, the band is out there, the cheerleaders, think about the percentage of your student body that's involved in a, in a sport like football. Um, so it does, if it's not, if you're not able to play it, it, it does have an impact on, on the larger community because it impacts the participation of a lot of kids in a lot of different activities on a Friday night. Um, so I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay optimistic. You know, I want, I'd love for everything to go off as scheduled, but we also have to be understanding that there are some inherent challenges for a sport like football, uh, because of the level of contact, but, you know, hopefully we'll continue to have positive discussions as what that might look like. Um, and on August 10th, you know, hopefully we're, we're at a place where we could go, but we also have to be ready in the event we're not. Is are we kind of past the point where we can possibly flip football to the spring? Um, do you, do you, you know, is is honest, that kind of a non-starter? Has that even? Well, been... I think in the, in the next couple of weeks, the IHSA is going to send a survey to schools with some scenarios. They haven't told us what those scenarios will be, um, but uh, I think that survey will kind of kind of ask some of these questions like you're asking about what if we flipped or what if we did this what if we did that um so that'll be interesting to see how that is you know how that's designed and what the feedback comes as a result of i think my biggest fear or concern with a flipping of seasons is let's say we're not ready to have fall sports now you're saying to spring sports you've just lost two consecutive seasons right and and i would i would as an AD, I would I would be really hard pressed to support that, knowing what that could possibly mean to those kids and those coaches and those families that are involved in those sports to lose, you know, two consecutive seasons of that. Um, that would be that would be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not. I don't think the IHSA would tell you it's off the table, but I okay. would think that would that would be the difficult part right there. Is if we're not able to go to have those kids lose two seasons in a row, I, I just don't think would be fair. No, and that's what I, I talked to a lot of baseball coaches, and they kind of feel the same way. If, if, they, if there was a guarantee that they would play in the fall, fine, but you, this is a time when the last you can, thing you can do is offer guarantees. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. You know, you know, we all wish we had that, you know, that magic wand or that crystal ball that could tell us what the next, you know, couple of months are going to look like, um, and know that we were going to be, um, you know, in a position where we could answer definitively whether we could start on August 10th or not. And, you know, that's the tough part is we don't know. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when we, when we're not in control of things, it, it does make it difficult for us because we're used to having some measure, yeah. some measure of control over our schedules and, and how we work and things like that. And to not really have that ability now, it does, it causes some, some consternation and some, some difficulties because you're just, it's, it's something we got to get used to. Yeah, yeah, and it just logistically, it's not just flipping football to the spring. You would have to move, probably flip track and cross country. You'd obviously have to move baseball to the fall, and it, it yeah, seems like Ohio there's a lot. Was, I think Ohio had something that they were batting around. I don't. I, I, I saw it maybe about a month or two ago. Um, you know, it had some some like you said, baseball got moved into the fall. I think track and cross country might have switched. Um, you know, there were a couple other things, and I don't know if they, I don't even know if they mentioned all the sports that are even, you know, offered. But you have to look at, you know, some sports. You know, if you don't move all of them, then some kids are, you know, they're choosing between things they've been doing, 
you know, throughout yeah. their careers. You know, some fall, some were spring, and they were doing two different sports. Now maybe those sports didn't flip, and now they're forced to make a decision. Um, so that's 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 one of those things that's. I know it. I'm, I'm sure it's something they're thinking about at the IHSA level. But again, it's it's one of those that it's it's hard to imagine that being the best scenario right, right now as you, as you look at it. Right. Oren, I feel like I've been dominating here. You want to jump in? <laughs> uh, that's, that's okay, Kevin, because you, you've been taking the lead for the for our Daily Herald coverage all along, so this is right up your alley. But I, I guess I'm just wondering, Tim, if there are any proactive measures that you can take to get ready for the fall, or are you just totally at the mercy of this virus and what public health officials say? Yeah, I mean, I think we're I, I think we're still preparing as though we're going to start on time i think to to not prepare as that way would be doing a disservice to your kids and coaches because in the event everything does go um as planned and we're ready to go obviously we want to hit the ground running um so you know it's just it's continuously to be engaged in those conversations at the building level at the district level you know so that we're aware of what they're talking about in terms of you know what the beginning of the school year might look like and things like that so you know, I, I think we're going to prepare as normal, you know, or as normal as what normal looks like right now. But, you know, I'll be asked even like in scheduling for the fall, there's some like, you know, maybe I'm short a couple lower level games in a, in a sport. And I'm like, well, how hard am I going to push to schedule those? Because not knowing, you know, is it would hurt if we don't have a full schedule on a lower level sport um, right now. So maybe some of those things. But, you know, we're still filling coaching positions. You know, we want to make sure we're fully staffed and ready to go. Um, we're still ordering our equipment and supplies, you know, as we're, as we're getting ready to start. So I think we're going to prepare like usual, and then we'll adjust like we've had to since since March 13th. You just got uh, big vats full of uh, sanitizing lotion, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, we, we just got an email today from our facilities office that they, they've ordered a bunch of uh, – you know, disinfectant spray, and they'll distribute spray bottles to us. So we'll have some stuff. I mean, we'll, you know, I was meeting with the trainers today, trying to make sure we're we're ordering what we need, and so we we want to get more thermometers. So if we have to start the fall with taking kids' temperatures before practice every day, we want to make sure we're equipped for it. Yeah, it's just uh, it's interesting. We've all been waiting for this announcement for so long, and and now it's kind of like everyone wants to have this hope, but you don't want to have too much hope because you don't want to take a step back. And it's just, it's just such an uneasy time of, uh, of wanting to get going, but then not wanting to do too much too fast. Yeah. And, and, and that's like, you know, and that's why I think when people see that the, the youth sports and the club sports are, I think that's what's pushing this expediency to get into the, into the high schools. And, you know, you want to be cautiously optimistic that we're going to be, that we're going to be ready to go. But at the same time, again, the, the, not knowing what's ahead of us, you know, is, is, is tough because we're, like I said, we're, we're creatures that have it. We're used to planning. We have our, our, our timelines. We're, we're usually checking boxes. This should be done by this time of the year. This should be done by this time of the year. And some of that has to be, you know, rearranged or modified just based on everything that's, that's going on right now. But I, I think it's important for us to have hope. And I think it's important for our kids and our families to have hope because I think that's what, what fuels and drives you know they, they see that light at the end of the tunnel but at the same time you know we have to be ready in the event that it's not and I think that's that's the important piece that there has to be that ability to adjust in the event that 
it's not ready to go on August 10th and, and how as, as a state, you know, as conferences, as school districts and as school buildings, you know, what we do to make those adjustments should we, should we have to come, come the middle of August. Yeah, and I mean, and honestly, with, with all these baseball tournaments going on and there's seven on seven and, you know, basketball kids are getting together. Sure. If, if you know, if there isn't a spike in numbers of uh, COVID-19 cases, maybe that's, maybe that'll turn out to be the testing ground that we needed to know if, if, if we're moving too fast or not. Yeah, and, I, you know, and I, I've had some conversations with some of my coaches, and that's that was one of the topics that came up is if we see – these, these states where they're playing tournaments and stuff and, and there hasn't been that rise in cases, does that send us that signal that, you know, maybe we, we could take that leap forward? And so, yeah, these test cases are out there and they will provide us with some, some information and some data as to possibly how we can can proceed. Um, so to your point, I mean, I think that's what people are, are holding on to, that these things are going to go as off as planned and, we're not going to see these these spikes in, in cases and the infection rate, and it might provide us with that that opening to say, you know, let's you know let's get out there. And I know there's obviously talk about that second wave, yeah, um, come the fall. You know, I talked to to some of our coaches. I think you know if, if let's say we were to start and things were going as normal, you know, if we were to play, let's just say football, if we were to get five games in. I think our coaches would be happy with that. I mean, as much as you want to play for the state championship and get the playoffs, but if it meant getting something versus nothing, I think I think at least in my building, some of our coaches would be would be good with getting their kids out there. At least in, in some cases, it gets film on kids um, that they want to pursue, you know, opportunities at the collegiate level. You know, provides that competitive outlet for kids. So it'll be interesting to see if we are able to start. Um, if we are, you know, if we're able to get full season in, or if we're going to be, you know, forced into some modification because of the potential for, you know, that second wave. Yeah, I just, I guess it depends on which five games you're talking about. Because if it's the first five and then we have to shut down, I think that's going to be pretty crushing. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and, and it's, you know, I, I think if, like I said, back in March, if you'd asked, you know, somebody. You know, like I said, if, 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 if you were guaranteed you could play a few games versus having your season, you know, canceled, you know, I think that would that would at least have been a, you know, a, an olive branch, a token to say, yeah, let's at least get the kids you know, back out there, yeah. you know, as opposed to, to shutting them down completely, you know. And, and I understand, too, from the IHSA standpoint, football playoffs, basketball playoffs, those are revenue generators oh, yeah. um, for them. Um, so if there was to be a modified season without a state series, you know that has a uh, that has an impact on them as a, as an organization. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I just know it would be tough to start up and then have to shut down. That that would be really really hard. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, yeah, I think on that side, yeah, you're all you know, you're in the you're in the the routine of everything. You're you know you're competing. You're you know you're you know thick of a conference race, whatever it might be, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you get hit with with something and you know now it's a different it's a different kind of disappointment then yeah yeah you know um Oren, you got anything else yeah i'm, I'm just glad i'm not in tim's position right now because I, I don't envy him <laughs> and it's so but <laughs> be so busy right now yeah it's uh it's weird after so quiet in the spring you guys are like uh 
to point people on everything. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, they tell you, you know, you you think you've seen everything. Well, this this coming year will be my seventeenth year as a, as an AD, and you know, this is this has probably been the most unique situation that we've we've had to deal with. Um, on a full scale, obviously, in your own buildings, you have, you know, your own your own issues you deal with. But um, on, a, on a full scale, you know, across the board, you know, just think. Well, a, a year ago, we were talking about football districts, and now that seems so far off and so inconsequential. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> to, to, to I, what we're doing right now and, and what we're trying to prepare for and plan through. Um, you know, and, and like I said, you, you people are watching in terms of you know they want to make sure we want to make sure we get it we get it right for for our kids and you know and that we take the proper precautions so that whenever we are ready, you know that people feel comfortable and confident with with where we're at. Yeah, I tweeted something yesterday just saying you know I thought we were done talking about districts after football season, but now everyone's talking about school districts and trying to get these uh, plans to to start up again approved by the by the yeah. district so you know yeah districts is taking on a new meeting this time around but yeah. uh yeah i mean it's it's uh you know it's something that's going to be as orin said it's going to be on our plates for for a while and you know it's it's, it's going to be a challenge but i i think it's if we can work collaboratively you know with our districts with our coaches with the state association you know and try and you know work through these logistical pieces and you know, and, and like I said, be, we have to be prepared for whatever scenario comes out, whether it's the best case or whether it's the worst case. we got to be ready to adjust and modify, you know, based on the information that's presented to us. Yeah, and I think we have to prepare for positive cases. I think it's just, it's going to happen, you know. Uh, uh, it's just a matter of how we respond to it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and that's, again, going back to school districts, it's having that plan in place for if that does happen, you know how we're gonna how we're gonna approach that, and how we're gonna, you know, work with everybody else in terms of contact tracing and all those other factors. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tim Carlson, Glumbard South Athletic Director, uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us. You're obviously incredibly busy right now, so um, we definitely appreciate you taking the time this week. No, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, it's a pleasure speaking with you guys and. You know, hopefully we'll we'll see you out out and about at uh, at the buildings in the fall. You know, <laughs> good case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Tim Carlson, Glumbard South Athletic Director. Thanks so much for joining us on this week's edition of uh, Tailgating with Dave and Kevin. Thanks, guys. All right, that was Tim Carlson, Glumbard South Athletic Director, joining us. Uh, pretty good uh, thoughts there, right, Orn? You know, that's, that's Tim, you know, he's, he's always, he's a very intelligent guy, and he's always got some interesting things to say, he comes at it from a different angle, and I really appreciate him sharing his thoughts with us on that. Yeah, I think a lot of people have questions, and uh, hopefully that clarified some of it, but, you know, I, I think we're just not going to know until we kind of jump in and figure out exactly what is going to happen here. Um you know, I, I think by the end of the week, schools are going to have a lot better idea of what next week is going to look like in terms of kids reporting and what's going to happen and stuff. I just know there's going to be an incredible run on thermometers. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that there wasn't just this open, you know, swing open the doors and everybody come on in and, and get started. As I, I sort of wondered that there would be, but people are being very measured and, you know, 
they're trying to do this the right way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're running really long, so we're going to wrap it up there. We appreciate you listening to this edition of, I guess we're going to call this one Tailgating with Kevin and Oren. Because uh, Dave Stay Oberheim... Out here. I'm kicking him out. Well, he's, he's on assignment. I don't know. You know, We've got to move on. We can't stand <laughs> still. Um, but you can find our podcast on... This one is probably going to be on our Basketball Focus website and our Football Focus website. But uh, you can find it all at dailyherald.com. Uh, we're hosted by SoundCloud. You can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Um, so thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of Tailgating with Kevin and Oren. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll be back next week. We'll, we'll find something to talk about, I'm sure. But uh, we thank you for listening, and have a great week, everyone. Be safe, everyone. <laughs>